This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We are still in our series, as Pastor Josh mentioned, um, all things new and Steve um, brought a great message last week. If you did not get a chance to be there or listen to it, then please, please, I encourage you to do so. Uh, go online. You can do that on our podcast. Um, he talked about uh, our identity in Christ, and he talked about identity theft and how Satan comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy and tries to steal our identity and confuse us. We want to continue that same theme and talk about our identity. What I have here is I've got a, a monogrammed hat. Now, maybe some of you have something like this. It's something that my wife bought, and then she went and had her initials placed on it. Some of you, maybe you have a hat, you have a shirt, you have a purse or a wallet or some of those things, maybe even some jewelry uh, with your initials and such on it. Why do we do that? And and by the way, if there are any guys here that, uh, that are listening that have monogram stuff, please message me afterwards. Please see me afterwards because we need to have a conversation. <laughs> so typically, it's for ladies. But why do we do that? Because we want to feel significance. We want uh, and something that makes us feel special. Uh, something that we want to use to identify ourselves with. Why? Because in our culture today, identity is something that we struggle with. We have celebrities that people that we see on TV and stuff that really struggle with their identity. So we as a culture, as a nation, struggle with who we are and how we identify ourselves. And it's sad that we are that way. But it's just the culture that we live in. The great tragedy is it's not just our culture around us. What's happened is it's infected the church. And we as Christians, as followers of Christ, We struggle as well. We struggle with being able to identify ourselves. And if someone asked us, well, who are you? uh, Explain who you identify with and explain more about yourself and and your identity. Um, Let me find it. Tony Evans states, if someone asks you who you are and nowhere during the conversation did the name of Jesus or the kingdom of God come up, you are a confused Christian. As a member of the kingdom, your identity is tied to Christ. There should be no way to talk about you and not talk about Him. It's a disease that is facing us today. It's in our culture. It's in our society. And it's also affected us as Christians in our church. We struggle with trying to explain who we are. Even when we claim to be a Christian, we struggle with how to explain that. Typically, when someone asks you, who are you? How do you identify yourself? It's always by your name, by who you know, by your job, by your possessions, by your home, by the kind of car you drive, by the things you own. And it's really not the way it should be. Paul tells us throughout this book in Colossians that our identity is in Christ. And on a side note, if you're not involved in our adult connect groups, uh, Pastor Josh asked me several weeks ago, I began studying this passage, um, And I had no idea that you, as an adult connect group, this past week, were looking at these verses in chapter 2. So if you're not part of an adult connect group, then please do so. But you guys have looked at this, and when I realized this this past week, I'm like, do I need to change something? I was like, no, I don't. 
This is where God had led me, and only God could orchestrate and design the sense of we're going to look at this passage this past week to prepare us for this morning. Because our identity in Christ is something that's important. What has happened here in Colossians is false teachers and false doctrine has crept its way into the church. They have tried to teach the Christians, the followers of Christ there in the church, that they need Jesus plus something equals their value, their worth, or something that they need. Well, that's just not the truth, and that's not the gospel, and that's not what Christ has come for. If we allow it, our culture provides identity through multiple ways. Through music, through TV, through social media, through sports, through celebrities, through other things. Some of us, we get so wrapped up in who we are following or who is following us on Instagram that we need other people's approval and we don't even realize it. And we get so wrapped up in Facebook and how many likes we get. And we look at other people's posts and we see that, oh, look at their highlights. Why can't my life be like that? Why did they get more likes than what I've gotten? And we desire other people's approval. And Paul was telling us, look, that's not right. You don't need Jesus plus other people's approval. You just need Jesus. You just need Christ. That's it. We don't need something else to feel of worth. So let me ask you, who is the most important person? Who is the most influential person in your life other than God? Other than God, who is the most influential person in your life? You know who that is? You are. You are the most influential person in your life. Paul Tripp says, uh, he states that you are the most influential person in your life. No one speaks to you more than you do. Inside your head, you're talking to yourself and you're wondering, well, if I wear this, if I do this, if I say this, I want to make sure I get someone else's approval and someone else likes me and doesn't like me. Oh, I don't want to do this. And we're constantly thinking that in our head, wondering about our identity and trying to prove ourselves to others. And we don't even realize it. Some of you right now, you're thinking in your head, well, am I really talking to myself? Do I really do that often? And you're thinking there right now and then you're looking at each other wondering, hey, did they know that I was just talking to myself? Oh, did, no, they're talking to themselves too. And you feel kind of weird, but that's what we do. We're thinking it in our head all the times. And what is it that we're typically saying? I'll put it in a couple of different categories. Typically we're saying, I am, we'll fill in the blank in just a moment. Therefore, I find significance. I find value. I find worth. So some of us, your category is, I am a husband, a father, a mother, a parent, and I need their love, and I need their affection, and because I have them, therefore now I find significance. I find importance. I really wanted to talk about our world today and how we, uh, we call it expressive individualism, and this was a great opportunity to use the video that Justin made of Pastor Josh. You know, you guys seen it, right? him landing in the plane, and then identifying as Elsa, as the queen, and then identifying as a modern-day woman. This was a perfect example, and the public schools messed this up, so I could have used that video. <laughs> so please be in prayer for this coming Friday, by the way, to make sure we don't have strong wind, so we can meet back at Southwest next week. Anyway, I'll, enough to say about that. So we are constantly conversation with ourselves. One category is, hey, look, I need the affection of others. I identify as a parent, identify as a spouse, and I need that love. And because I have that, I find value. There are others of us that you say, look, I 
need, uh, I am an achiever. I have things because of my job, because of the title that I have, because I own my own business, because of the money that I make, because I have worked my way up the corporate ladder. I can now buy the home that I've always desired. I drive this type of car. And so because I have these things, now I have significance. I have value. And we place too much value in those things. Those things will fade away, and that is truly not what we should find significance in. But here in America, in our culture, that's what we do. There are two types of cultures in our world today. There's a traditional culture, and then there's our culture here in America. In a traditional culture, it is more of a value is placed in self-denial. In the sense of when someone on the other side of the world, if they're asked, um, who, how do you identify yourself? Or can you tell me more about yourself, your identity? They typically claim, well, I am the son of so-and-so, or I am the parent of so-and-so, or I identify with this religion. And that's how they, and they uh, build up the community and the family. And since they do that, it's more of a self-denial. That's traditional culture. In America, our culture is that they, it's more of a not a value in self-denial. It's a value in self-promotion, that it's all about me, that I determine what I want, I determine what I like, I determine how I feel, I determine my goals, my desires, and that's how I want to fill them or fulfill them. And it's wrong. We don't need to find significance in those things. Uh, we need to understand that Christ made us. He created us. When the world hears that we've been created by someone, that we have been bought by someone because Christ paid the price and bought us back by dying on the cross, that we think that, that as we explain to the world that we are His, that He owns us. Paul calls himself multiple times a slave to Jesus, a bond servant. And when we state that to the world, they don't get it. They don't understand it. They think that, no, 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 someone else cannot own you. Someone else cannot name you. That's just horrible. That's wrong. And they don't understand the freedom that we have when we identify ourselves in Christ, that they are in bondage of sin and we have freedom through Him. And it's how they identify themselves. And the problem is it's crept its way into the church. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them would fall to the ground from your father. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. So our thing should not say, well, because of my husband, because of my spouse, because of my wife, because of my kids, I find value. It should be in Christ. Therefore, I have value. I have worth. I have significance. It shouldn't be that I, I have this house and so that gives me significance. No, it should only be in Christ. So what's happened here, if you look in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, we'll read together. It says, verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of this world, rather than according to Christ. Paul is explaining to others that we... Uh, um, I don't know what you guys are doing. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I've been distracted and it's all our pastor's fault. <laughs> so Paul is saying that we as Christians, we get so wrapped up. And what's happened in the Colossians church is they have come in and they have said, you need to do certain things to be 
to, to have value. So let me explain a little further. There are three things here that he's talking about. And he's talking about religious legalism. And it's something that we don't really like to talk about, something that we don't like to state, but it's true. And here God's word is saying that religious legalism is not where you find value. It is not being in Christ. What is he saying? Let's look at verse 16. Chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. What in the world is he talking about? The false teachers have come into Colossians and they're saying, Look, Jesus is good. You need Jesus, but you also need to follow the rules of the Old Testament. That you have to fulfill these things in order to be a good Christian, in order to have value. And that's just uh, not what God's Word says. God's Word says, no, you don't need to do those things. You put it in our terms today, it's where we have churches and those who believe that you have to wear certain things to be of value, to be a good Christian. You have to use a certain version of the Bible to be a good Christian. You have to do certain things and say certain things and act a certain way to be a good Christian. And that's not it at all. We are of no good. It is only through Christ and only in Him that we have our value, our worth, and our significance. And so this whole thing of following the Old Testament, no. In verse 17, it says, Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. What he is saying is, Christ has already fulfilled the law. He has already fulfilled that. Christ was tested and He was asked, what? What's the greatest commandment? Did He go back and talk about the law? Did he go back and talk about all the things that we've got to do for the Ten Commandments? Did he say that they were not important? Yes, they're important. But what did he say? The greatest of these is to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love others as yourself, to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the greatest commandments. When you follow those things, you don't have to worry about everything else. You don't have to follow those religious rules and things that are in place because that's not biblical. You have to make sure you love him with all your heart and then love others and everything else will take care of itself. So not only is he saying that religious legalism is you must follow the rules to be a good Christian, he's also saying it's also called practicing personal piety. So in verse 18, let's look at the verse half of that verse. Verse 18, it says, Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement. And I was like, what in the world does that mean? Some, uh, you might say, see it in your commentary, or your version might say asceticism. What it is is it's self-denial of worldly pleasures for spiritual good. It's twofold. Some, kind of like the rules thing, some state, well, you must not be uh, participate or partake of certain things to be a good Christian. And on the other hand, you as a Christian, you've got to check certain boxes off. As long as you are in church when the doors are open, as long as you are doing certain things, as long as you uh, do your devotions and you check it off, and that's not a true relationship with Christ. We as Christians, we need to not worry about checking a box off because that's what we do. We check a box off and we think because of these things, and I've done my prayer today, I've been to church today, I watched online today, I'm an extra good Christian, and it makes us feel good about ourselves, and then we think that we're good and our relationship with God is good. Paul is saying, no, Christ has already taken care of all that. That's not what you need. We don't need rules. We don't need personal piety. 
And the third thing is we think that we need to have spiritual experiences. In the second half of verse 18, it says, And the worship of the angels, taking a stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. What that means is that some people think that every time they go to church, that they need to have a spiritual experience. For example, I have a family member who years ago got very involved with a Pentecostal church. And he loved to argue, he loved to debate, he loved to, to talk about Scripture. And one of the things that we talked about, and he actually admitted later on, was every time he went to church, for him to feel good about his relationship with Christ, he had to have a spiritual experience. And that's just not right. We don't need that to feel close to God. We have to understand that it's all about Christ and what He's done for us and Him and Him alone. There is nothing that we can do. We cannot follow these certain rules. We cannot do these certain things. We cannot check off boxes. We cannot have these experiences to feel good about our relationship with Christ. It's all about what He has done, period. In the discussion, there's no more to debate about it. It's just simply that. And we have to get away from the way that we feel and realize that our identity is not in our feelings because our feelings change, right? They're deceiving. We have to realize our identity is solely in Him and what He has done for us. So, what happens with this religious legalism? Well, it gives us a few things. If we look over in verse 16, it says, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge. What happens a lot of times when you follow these religious legalism practices? You have a judgmental spirit. You have a judgmental attitude. I have co-workers that I have reached out to to ask to come to church. And they have clearly responded no. And their explanation of no was, you know what? I tried that before. But because of the judgmental spirit and the way that I was treated before, I don't want to go back to church. And it's sad. We as Christians cannot have that kind of spirit. It is not my job to judge you. I am so thankful that we at Keystone from the, from the set, from the, from the start, stated this is a no judgment zone. Why? Because it is not my job to judge you. That is his job. That is between you and him. It is my job to point you to Christ. Period. Simply. There's nothing else more. Um, in verse 18, where we talked about the self-abasement or asceticism, it leads to spiritual pride. And we have those that are Christians that are very proud of who they are, but in the wrong way. And what does God do? God looks down on the pride, on the proud. So because of this... Um, Judgmental spirit, this spiritual pride, it leads to a disconnect. It does not lead you closer to Christ, it leads you further away. So not only can we fill in the blank, I am in Christ and in Him alone, therefore I find significance. The second one is, in I am, fill in the blank, whether it be your relationship with others, your need for their affection, you find acceptance. So we not only find significance, but you also find acceptance. Now understand, this is the most, uh, this is the, the greatest thing that students struggle with completely. There is anything else more greater than this right here that they are searching for. They are looking, seeking, yearning, desiring acceptance. We as adults, we are similar. But if you remember back to middle school and high school and how you just wanted to simply 
fit in. That's the reason why our students go and get involved in things that they shouldn't get involved in because that group accepted them. You know how it is when you go to school. You've got those who are athletes and, and those who are jocks and you've got those who are really in the school and, and you've got all these different cliques. We as a church, we're not supposed to be like that. We shouldn't be cliquish. We should accept others, period. Why? Because that's how Christ did for us. He accepts you just as you are. And if we would understand and realize that you are made perfect. He created you. He bought you. And He did not do so to change just the way you are. Yes, He wants to change you on the inside. Yes, He washes your sin away. But you need to understand how valuable you are and that you don't have to seek others or seek other groups or things for acceptance. You're accepted by Christ. So... You don't need houses. You don't need to drive certain cars. You don't need certain finances and a certain status quo to be accepted. You are accepted by Christ, period. So not only do we find significance in Him, not only are we accepted by Him, the third one is we find security in Him. In John 10, let me flip over. Verses 28 and 29, and it says, I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. We have security in Christ. We do not need the love of a spouse. We do not need the love of our children. We do not need our homes, our jobs, our finances. We do not need to be a good Christian to be secure and be secure about ourselves. We are completely secure in Him. He loves you just the way you are, and you have security in that and that alone. So legalism states Jesus plus something equals what you need whether it's significance, value, or security. We state Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything. We have acceptance, significance, and security in Him. Paul was stating uh, throughout the book, as I mentioned, about being in Christ. In fact, if you read through uh, the book in verse uh, chapter 1, Verse 14, it says, in whom, that's Christ, we have redemption. Verse 16 says, in him, all things were created. And verse 19, it says, in him, all the fullness was pleased to dwell. Verse 22 says, we are reconciled in his body of flesh. In chapter 2, verse 3, it says, in whom, Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 7, it says, we've been charged to walk with him walk in Him, and we are rooted and built up in Him. Verse 9 says, In Him the whole fullness of the deity bodily dwells bodily. In verse 11, we have been filled, uh, we, have been, we have been filled in Him. We are circumcised in Him. Verse 12, we are raised up in Him. Verse 15, we are triumphing over, triumphing, <laughs> umphing, tri- we are doing that over <laughs> them in Him. In chapter 3, verse 20, we are pleasing to the Lord. Throughout the whole book, it is talking about us in Him. Does it talk about what we need to do, what we need to accomplish? No. It's all in Him and what He has done. So there are three aspects 
that we need to understand for our identity in Christ. First, you are God's child. Therefore, you are significant. In John verse 1, chapter 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Romans 8, verse 17 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And I think I typed the same verse twice. But you understand, we are God's child. We are adopted into his family. As long as you understand that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and then rose again, and you simply place your faith and trust in him, you're his child. As a parent, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for my kids. I love them more than they can understand. Hopefully, they can look at me, and I know it's not that way uh, often, but they can say, look, hey, that's my dad. I'm glad I'm his child. But I know that I can always say, Abba, Father, that's my dad. I am his child. I am his heir. What more significance do I need? What more do I need to place value in other than in Christ to find out that I am significant? I am worth it. You are worth it. You are significant. Why? Because you're his child. Also, uh, there's a song uh, by Matthew West. It call, it's called Hello, My Name Is. Hello, my name is child of the one true king. I've been saved, I've been changed, and I've been set free. Amazing grace is the song I sing. Hello, my name is child of the one true king. Not only are you God's child, but also you're forgiven. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, let me flip back over. Verse 13 and 14 says, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him, saying, Forgiven, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled on the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Your sin, your transgressions are forgiven. Christ paid the debt on the cross washed your sins away. He's paid it all. You are forgiven. So, so many times we struggle with not checking off the box, or not worrying, or worrying about doing certain things or not doing certain things, and we don't realize, you know what? Christ has forgiven us of all of our sins. Past sins you are presently doing and future sins. You are forgiven, therefore you are accepted. You don't have to search for acceptance. You are accepted. Why? Because you've been forgiven. There's a song by Crowder. It's called Forgiven. Part of that song says, God, I fall down on my knees. With a hammer in my hand, you look up at me. Arms open. Forgiven. Forgiven. Child, there is freedom from all of it. Say goodbye to every sin. You are forgiven. Now, I have to stop for, for a moment. Because several months ago I had an opportunity to preach and I mentioned during that that I love contemporary Christian music. That that's me, that that's all I listen to. I don't listen to anything else, I just choose not to. That's just me. I had a couple of people actually question me afterwards, later on, to just, just ask me questions. It was nothing negative. And so I explained to them, yeah, yeah, that's me, that's my personality. 
But I love to be positive, encouraging his radio, right? That's just me. Now, as a student pastor, do I listen to other things on the radio? Yes, I do so periodically. Only simply to see what is influencing them. I want to understand and be able to relate to them and see what kind of music and things that they are listening to so I can relate to them, so I can see what is influencing them. But other than that, I don't listen to anything else but godly Christian music. Why? Because it's in Him. My job is not to change them. My job is to do everything in my power, everything that I can control, is to simply point them to Jesus. And music does that but the right kind of music. There's another song, It Is Well With My Soul. Listen to this. We were talking about being forgiven, being accepted by Christ. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. You are forgiven, therefore you are accepted. And last, you stand in victory. In 1 Corinthians 15, 55 and 57, it says, When he had disarmed, I'm sorry, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is our security. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. We have uh, security through what Christ has done. We stand in victory because of our security in him. He's paid for it all. He defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated the grave. He conquered sin. He conquered everything on the cross. And it is only through Him that we have security. There's a song. It says, Victory in Jesus. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and He bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew Him, and all my love is due Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. In Romans 8, verses 38 and 39, it says, For I am persuaded, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Jesus Christ our Lord. We have security in Him because of what He has done for us. Have you ever played the game Monopoly? Yeah, I know. We don't play it often because it takes so long to play. Right? But when the game is over with, what happens? It does not matter how many homes you owned, how many hotels you owned. It doesn't even matter which piece you got to play with. And I always hated getting stuck with the little thumb thing, whatever that thing is called. I hate it. I knew when I got that piece, I knew it was going to be a bad game. You know, you wanted the cool piece. You wanted the car or something else. But it did not matter what piece you played with. Didn't matter how much money you had. When you were done, what happened? It all went back in the box. It all went back in the box. And if we as Christians would understand, I asked my students a couple of weeks ago, if you could talk to Kobe Bryant right now, what would he say is the most important thing in life? Would it be fame? Would it be money? Would it be fortune? Would it be his family? Would it be a good dad, a good father? No. 
It would be whether or not he knows Jesus Christ or not. That is the only thing that matters. In him, we have security. In him, we have acceptance. In him, we have significance. And it is in Christ and in Christ alone. And last, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. From every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. I hope and pray you understand that in Christ and in Christ alone, you have significance, acceptance, and security. But it is only through him. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.